Welcome to Ambitious Motherhood, the podcast for the mom who is chasing after her dreams in motherhood and business. This is your permission slip to pursue all that you were created to be and live out your calling both in and out of your home. Here's your host, Katie Fleming. Welcome back, Ambitious Moms. I am so excited for you to listen in on this conversation today because a lot of y'all have reached out and said, hey, Katie, I've got this talent. I can make this thing. I think I want to open an Etsy store. And truth be told, it's just not my expertise. But today we're speaking with Lauren Keplinger, and she is an Etsy seller and a coach for like-minded Etsy entrepreneurs. She started her shop, Funky Monkey Children, in 2012 and built it to a six-figure business with over 170000 in annual revenue. She blogs podcasts about selling on Etsy over at Creative Mom Boss and her digital course, The Etsy Roadmap to Success, where she teaches Etsy shop owners to take their shop from an inconsistent side hustle to a consistent income they can depend on. All right, so what I seriously love about this episode is that Lauren starts to share with us the mindset that you can begin to take as an Etsy store owner to really set yourself apart above the competition. Some little steps and little things that you can do to set yourself apart, okay? So if you've ever been thinking, oh, maybe I should Etsy store or, oh, it's too late for me to do that, that ship has sailed or where it is, I'm looking forward to you hearing this episode. So let's get to it. You are listening to episode number 93 of Ambitious Motherhood with Katie Fleming. Let's do this. Hey, Lauren, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. So fill my listeners in on who you are, what you do, and who you serve. My name is Lauren Keplinger, and I have an Etsy shop that makes monogrammed baby gifts. I mostly make baby blankets at this point, and I started that about seven years ago, and now about a year and a half ago, I also started coaching other people, specifically women, to take their own Etsy shops sort of from this hobby side gig thing to actually making like a consistent income on Etsy. Yeah, I love, love that. So when you started this, what was the desire? What kind of led you to do that? Well, I had a friend who had an Etsy shop and she was doing really well with it. And she had young kids at the time. And I kept telling my husband, I really wish that I had something like that. He was in the active duty military. And so having an actual job was really hard because we were moving a lot and we had really young children at the time. And so I kept saying, I just, I wish I had something that was flexible like that. I wish I had something that would move with me like that. And so I just kind of decided to do the same thing. Why do I need something like that? I should just do that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. So it was it more of a money thing or just like you just were craving something in addition to motherhood? I think it was a little bit of both. I don't, I needed something for sure outside of being a stay at home mom. It was not really working for me, like emotionally. (laughs) And so I needed, I mean, I continued to be a stay at home mom even after I opened my Etsy shop, but I needed a mental and emotional outlet outside of just my 
child who was very high maintenance. And so I think I just wanted something to sort of give me tangible goals to set and then be able to do those. So that, that was kind of the money part of it was like setting goals. You know, I want to have a hundred dollars a month. I want to have $500 a month. Like it grew as my shop grew to have these goals that I could chase after. But I think it was kind of a broader thing than that. I needed sort of something to, I don't know, give me direction. I guess I felt kind of lost in having, I was also like 24 when I had my first child. So I was kind of young with these really young children. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that you mentioned that you just felt a little lost. It's so interesting. I hear from a lot of moms a lot that they feel like there's something wrong with them. Like, why can't I be happy with being a stay-at-home mom? Or why am I at my job wanting to be home with my kids? But then when I'm home with my kids, I want to be doing something. Yes. This is the eternal mothering conundrum. (laughs) Right. Right. And I love, this is why I like created ambitious motherhood and this whole concept of being both like ambitious, but also being there for our kids and building a life and business around that because it's just a unique breed that we are. And I'm just so excited to chat with you and other mamas like yourself about the journey. So when you started your Etsy shop, was it the way it is today? Were you doing the monogram baby gifts then? I was doing monogrammed baby stuff. I started it with like burp claws and bibs. And I was doing a lot of appliques at the time and monograms, but it was primarily appliques actually. So that the shop grew really big with burp claws and bibs. And then I added in baby gowns and some outfits and hats and blankets. And I had all of this stuff. And so it kind of was like a, an hourglass shape. Like it started, well, I don't know if that would be right, but it's, it started small and then it grew really big. And then I guess like a diamond. And then I I have narrowed it down again since then to kind of streamline it a little bit. Yeah. So take me through that decision process when you narrowed it down and you kind of streamlined your, your product offerings. What did that look like? How did you make those decisions? That was a tough one for me because it was really scary to me. I had built this whole business on these burp cloth sets. I had hundreds and hundreds of burp cloth sets, different patterns and colors and fabrics and applique designs and all this stuff. But I was finding that I was totally maxed out with the amount of sales that I could take and the amount of orders that I could do. And it was so much inventory. I was constantly struggling with managing the inventory and keeping up with everything. I was always out of stock of stuff. And so it just wasn't really working. And I knew that unless something changed, I had pretty much hit the max of what I could do revenue wise because I couldn't take any more orders on than what I had. And I felt, I felt frustrated, I guess, by, by that, because it was like, you know, I'm, making all of this money with this shop, but so much of it is eaten up with maintaining this inventory and stuff. So it really was about the time that I started coaching other people that I was like, I can't manage both of these in the capacity that it is right now. And my husband the whole time kept being like, you need to narrow it down. You need to narrow it down. And I'm like, I I can't, this is what I sell a lot of these burp cloth sets. This is what people love. And so I kind of finally agreed with him when I started to coach other people because I knew that I couldn't do the coaching side of the business and the product side of the business in the way that it was going right now. 
So it was hard. And I still get emails from people. That was probably, I mean, it was less than a year and a half ago that I did that. So it was relatively recent, but I still get emails from people who say, you know, I've ordered 10 burp cloth sets from you in the past. They were my favorite baby gift to give. And I don't see them on your site anymore. Can you do one for me? And it's really, really hard for me to be like, I can't, I'm not going to. <laughs> that's hard. Yeah, that's for sure hard. And I think, I think that, yeah, as a smart businesswoman, you notice that and you realize that you had to kind of streamline your back end of your business as well. So for your clients that you coach, what do you recommend they start out with? Like how many products? I usually recommend that people start out with one to two collections of products. So it doesn't necessarily have to be one or two products, but to just have at least, or no more than, I guess, one to two like sort of umbrellas of collections. And then I always recommend to people that you start out small. You don't want to end up in a position where you are making sales that are higher than you've ever made before, but you're not actually making any money because you're having to maintain so much inventory. And so I always recommend to people that they start smaller. You can always expand later if you want to, but I think that the best business choice is usually to stay more niche. And it also makes it easier to figure out kind of who you're trying to market to and all of that stuff if you only have this sort of narrow niche of products. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's the same in the business coaching online service provider world as well. When you know who you're serving, how you're serving them, gets so much uh, easier to talk to them, to sell to them, to actually profit from working with them. So how have you seen Etsy as a platform evolve over those seven years? And if you were, and this is kind of a twofold question. And if you were starting today, how would that look today versus what it did then? I think that it, it has grown a lot over the past seven years. I think they, I mean, obviously the technology has changed a lot and the way that they do the search has changed a lot. It used to be kind of like old school Instagram where everything was just in order of how people, like the time that people posted the stuff. Etsy was the same way. So if you had just posted a listing, it would be at the very top of the search and then you could renew it and it would bump to the top again. So it was really easy to get found. That was actually a little bit before my time. I stepped in right as they were changing that out. But so the technology has changed and all that. A lot of people would say like, there's so much more competition now. I think that there's always been a lot of competition. Um, people were saying there was too much competition seven years ago too. <laughs> so I remember yeah. when I first started reading some of the Etsy forums and stuff and feeling like, oh my gosh, I think I must have just missed the boat. Like I should have gotten into this five years ago and you know, you can only do what you do. So I think that that's always, that's a kind of a common complaint to people is that things are so oversaturated and so busy. But I think that the amount of users of buyers on Etsy has grown so, so much as well. And the, the name recognition of Etsy is so much wider than it was seven years ago. Like I used to have to tell people I sell online on this website. That's kind of like eBay, but it's for people that are making stuff. And now I can say I sell on Etsy and people are like, Oh, that's cool. 
So the name recognition has been huge. I think that if I were just starting out now, well, it's kind of hard because, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. So <laughs> it's hard to remove like the path that I've already gone down and say, if I could start now, I would love to say that I would have a really super narrow focus of who I was selling to and what I was wanting to sell to them and to make sure that the products that I had had a really healthy profit margin so that it was worthwhile to be spending my time making them. But I think a lot of that so much is trial and error a lot of times. So, yeah, I love that you brought up the whole concept of feeling like even seven years ago that you were late to the party. Oh, and- totally. Oh my goodness. It's just, I mean, it's so easy to sit here and want an opportunity or think there's something out there for you and then to find it and then feel like, oh, but I'm too late. Oh, but there's all these people doing it. And so I really just am excited that you push through that fear. But I just want to encourage the mom that's listening that if you feel like you're late to whatever party it is, you're not, you're just on time. Okay. It's that yep. old, old cliche. What, when was the best time to plant a tree? That was 30 years ago. Next best time is right now. I think that it is such a common fear for people. And it also becomes sort of like an excuse that we have to break through of, you know, things are already being done. And what, what do I really have to offer this space that's different than all these other people who are actually doing a really good job at what I want to be doing. And what I always tell my students is like, none of us are Steve Jobs. Like we're not inventing something that the world has never seen before. You know, I make monogrammed baby blankets. I mean, baby blankets that are monogrammed have been sold for decades. (laughs) And so you just have to find your spin or your niche of customers that love what you're doing and you know, you don't have to have a million customers to be successful at all. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, hey, just wanted to interrupt you and make sure that you are hanging out with us in the Ambitious Motherhood Facebook community. This is a free online community where we're waiting for you. We kind of are, okay? Head on over to ambitiousmotherhood.com forward slash tribe. We'll see you inside. Yeah. So how, how would you encourage somebody to inspire that creativity and really push the envelope on what they're creating and how they're doing it differently? I think there's a a variety of ways that you can stand out on Etsy as a business without necessarily making a product. Like a lot of people think, well, because I'm not making a product that's actually different than what other people are making, I can't stand out. But there are so many hobby side gig type sellers on Etsy that I think just having the basic like business mindset of I'm going to provide good customer service. I'm going to send things out on time. I'm going to respond to messages when people send me a message. I'm going to have packaging that has like a nice sticker or a little note in there or something. Just having that professionalism sets you apart right from the get-go. And having a shop that looks like you've actually spent some time, like I can't tell you how many shops that I've seen that their banner and their little image in when you first log in, it looks like somebody took it with a cell phone in a dark (laughs) closet. (laughs) And so just having sort of the basic, I'm taking this seriously and I want you to see my pretty products 
that sets you apart from the get-go. And then beyond that, I think just having that customer service, you know, maybe you offer gift wrapping that's really pretty. Maybe you love Instagram and you've built an Instagram community that's really engaged. Like there are ways to stand out beyond just having a product, an actual physical product that's different than other people. That is such good advice because, I mean, kind of going back to the whole thing you said at the beginning about it being saturated, these are the things that you can do as a business owner that set you apart. The little seemingly insignificant things that actually make a difference. And as a buyer, as somebody who goes to Etsy, those things matter to me. Like they really do. Whether I'm aware of it or not definitely affects the way I view a store and and then the way I view the product that they're selling. So I love that. Right. I think people, I think the buyers on Etsy are okay with it being, you know, I'm a stay at home mom that works out of my basement. Like they're okay with that. They don't want you to be necessarily like producing it in a big factory somewhere as a, you know, huge corporation or whatever. But there's a difference between being okay with that work at home mom, like I'm making every single one of these by hand and having somebody that's totally unprofessional about it. I still think that there needs to be a level of professionalism, even though you're not, you know, this big corporation with a lot of employees and stuff. Yeah, definitely. So one thing I'm big on is building a business that fits into your ideal mom life. And for a lot of the women I coach and mentor, they're building online coaching, consulting service businesses, and they're aiming to do it in less than 20 hours a week. So give my listeners an idea of what amount of time you spend making, building the business side of things and doing all of that. So at this point in my Etsy shop, I would say that I spend about 10 to 15 hours a week making orders and shipping them out and all of that stuff. But that hasn't always been true. That's definitely been like a path that I <laughs> went down. I spent a lot, probably a couple, several years working a lot more than that. And then I kind of went back and forth with having like no childcare at all. And then I spent a period of time while my husband was transitioning out of the military where he worked all week and I worked all weekend. So it was probably still less than 20 hours a week, but it wasn't really an ideal schedule. (laughs) So it's kind of ebbed and flowed as my season of life has changed. My youngest child is four now. So I'm not really in that like baby stage at this point, but it has kind of changed around as, as that has changed. Yeah. I love that. And I love that you're you've been changing it. I'm the same way where every season, every age, every time of the year, things just, they have to change. And it's, it's cool that we have businesses that will fit into that. Yeah. And I think for me, like, and I always tell my students this, like, it's not my job as a coach to tell you as the student, what you can accomplish or what you should accomplish. Like I want to help you go after your goals And for me, being a stay-at-home mom was not really a good fit for me. So I was not somebody who said, like, I don't ever want to have childcare. It was a goal for me to be able to make enough money in my shop to be able to put my kids in preschool and still profit on top of that. Like, that was my goal, was to be able to have that break. My kids were all three in preschool at the same time. 
So, you know, that was a chunk of change, <laughs> but, you know, to be able to say, I'm going to send them to preschool from nine to 12 and then I'm going to work while they're preschool and I'm still going to make money on top of my preschool bill. Like that was my goal. But I understand that there's a lot of people who are in the position that they don't want to have any childcare or whatever. So I think that the best part of it is what you said. It's the flexibility. It's the ability to set those goals for yourself and then make your business work around it. And we did, like I said, go through a period where we didn't have any childcare and I worked on the weekends. I did not really like that, <laughs> but that's an option for somebody who doesn't want to have childcare or who you know wants a different kind of schedule for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And just, just choosing your own adventure with the type of business, the way you structure it, but also the way you structure your life. Yeah. It's pretty cool that in 2019, we have the ability to do that in so many different avenues, Etsy, wow. online coaching, consulting services, whatever it is. I Absolutely. So take me through, if you were talking right now, if you were sitting down over coffee or something with a gal who wanted your mentorship and wanted you to show them how to start an Etsy shop, they have no idea what they can sell, or maybe they do. Maybe it's macrame or something like that. What would you tell them? How would you, what, what, what is your process that you take your clients through? You don't mind Yeah, sharing. I have a lot of people who come to me and they say, I have so many ideas. I think as creatives, we are like, our heads are just spinning all the time. <laughs> and so they're like, I have so many ideas and I, I need to open an Etsy shop to sell it. But I think I'm going to open four different shops because I have all these different ideas of what to do. And then there's other people who are like, I'm just not really sure what to do. And so I think both of those are an equal, <laughs> they're kind of an equal problem. But again, I always tell people to narrow it down. You don't need to open four shops. That's not going to be really good for your ability to balance things. So, you know, picking something, thinking about it like a business, think about your profit margins, think about your inventory, think about how much money you're going to be spending making the product and the time that you're going to be spending making the product. If you have more than one idea, pick something that you can make faster and cheaper. <laughs> and it's okay not to sell every single thing that you physically know how to make. It's okay to just have a hobby. You know, maybe you make something like I, I have this. I have dresses that I make for my little girls now that have appliques and monograms and all of this stuff on them, but I would never sell them because my profit margins would be horrible. They take me forever to make. <laughs> so yeah. that's just a hobby for me. You know, I just do it for my kids or my friend's kids or whatever, just for fun and for the cuteness of it. So I think that it's really important to be thinking about that from a business mindset, kind of from the get-go, because you don't want to build a business around products that really don't have a good profit margin or that have like a huge time commitment involved in them. And I also think that there are, there are people that come to me that just have no, they say, I don't have any skills. I don't have anything, but I wish I had something that was flexible. I wish I had a, a job that I could do like yours. And I encourage people to think about what your skills are beyond just your ability to like handcraft something. But my journey in Etsy was a little bit different because 
I didn't have a hobby that I made. Like I taught myself how to monogram an applique so that I could open an Etsy shop. It wasn't something that I did. Like I bought an embroidery machine for the purpose of being able to sell it, the, the products. So I don't have that journey as like, I used to make these as a craft and people loved them and they told me I should open an Etsy shop and stuff, which is a very common story. But I don't think it has to be the only story that people have. Like if you look at it and you say, I don't know how to make anything, but I absolutely love candles. I love how they make me feel. I love how they change the ambiance of the room, whatever. You can teach yourself how to do that if that's something that you want to do. Right. Oh, I love that. That's so good because we sit here and use the excuse of not having an expertise or not having a trade or the ability to do something as a reason why we can't move forward on something we want to do. I love that. Yeah. I really truly think that the only reason that I've been successful, well, not the only reason, maybe I'm selling myself short there, but one of the big reasons I've been successful on Etsy is because I'm not afraid to jump and then figure it out. Like I started selling my products on Etsy in retrospect, long before I should have, (laughs) like they were not ready. I was not ready. I was not doing a good enough job making what I was making to be selling them. (laughs) But, you know, I figured it out as I went. And now I think that I make super high quality stuff and I'm really proud of them, but it did not start off that way. And I feel now like I should you know, write a letter to those people who bought those early products and apologize. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. You know, there's just so many resources out there today. I I remember being a teenager and YouTube was, I don't know when YouTube came out, but I watched this guy on YouTube. I think his name was Mikey do crochet and taught myself how to do crochet and do like complicated yeah. Things. And like was so geeked out about it, had like boxes <laughs> of yarn and then taught myself how to quilt. And so I thought I kind of get that whole crafty world. It's kind of a joke with my husband. It's like a can of worms. Like if I start crafting, it's just, I, it just, yeah, the house turns into a disaster. When we first, we were engaged, I started making a quilt for him at my parents' dining room table and there's thread everywhere and there's like scrap things everywhere and the ironing boards out and all that stuff. And somehow it took like a year to do, but somehow the uh, twin size quilt turned into a queen by the time it got (laughs) like, this is why it took so long. It's a freaking queen. Right. (laughs) But um, my point is in that whole little story sidebar is that there's such a wealth of information out there. It's no longer okay to just blame it on the not knowing, you know? And you can always change too, you know, like it's a fluid thing. I, like I said, I didn't start out with my shop looking exactly the way that it looks today. Um, And my vision for what I was going for when I first started was dramatically different than where I've ended up. But, you know, it doesn't have to be this like set in stone. Everything's perfect before you make that first move. It can, it can ebb and flow and it's better to do it that way to allow it to change paths as you have customers who ask you for things and tell you what they want, because then, then you're following the lead of the people who are buying from you. Yeah. Yeah. We just got to start and get down the path and you just have no idea what is going to come from that. You wouldn't have known had you not ever started. No. Yeah. 
That's so good. So take us through, if you could start all over again, starting your business, would you change anything? Would there be something different that you would start with? Would it be that less inventory or what stands out for you there? I think that it would be less inventory and less products and having a better grasp of the financial situation of the shop to kind of take that a little bit, I don't want to say more seriously, because that sounds like I was like flippant about it, but be more organized with it, I guess. I didn't hire a CPA to help me out with my financial stuff until like two or three years ago. And that was not a good move. (laughs) I should have done it a long time ago because my lack of organization made for years that I had really good revenue. Every year, my revenue was growing and growing and growing and growing, but my profits weren't. And that is, you know, its own disappointment in and of itself, but it also led to a lot of burnout for me because I felt like I'm working and working and working and working and I'm not getting anywhere and I'm not, it's not paying off for me. You know, I could stop doing this and have so much more freedom in my life or whatever. You know, I wouldn't have to have this thing that I'm doing that's taking up some time, even if it is only 20 hours a week or whatever, that's still, you know, a a chunk of time but I'm not seeing the financial reward from it because not because I don't have good enough sales, but because I don't have a good enough grasp of what's going in and out. But I do think that that ultimately was tied to the huge amount of inventory that I was holding also. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So good. So how can our audience connect with you? Maybe they want to look at your shop and get some baby shower ideas, or maybe they're sitting there with a creative talent or want to learn and they want to learn how to how to do Etsy the right way. Well, right way. There's probably multiple ways, but I guess I mean, get the mentorship to really shorten the amount of time, energy, and money that it will take for them to find the success that you found. Share with us how they can connect with you. Yeah, sure. My Etsy shop is Funky Monkey Children. So you can go to funkymonkeychildren.com and it'll forward you to the Etsy platform. And the coaching side of it, I have a podcast that's called Crickets to Cha-Chings. And I talk all about Etsy and you can also find that at creativemomboss.com. There's some blog posts and the podcast and the Facebook group and all that stuff. Doesn't Etsy, the app ding when you make a sale? It does. It says cha-ching. <laughs> so fun. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, here's a question I love to ask because my listeners just, they're readers and they love to know we're all reading. So will you share with us the best book you've read and then what you're looking forward to reading soon? Oh man, the best book I've read. Oh, that's a tough one. (laughs) I'll say the best recent book I read was probably Where the Crawdads Sing. I really liked that one. That was one of my book club books. Into that one. Does it start to pick up? Okay. So my mom said the same thing. I never really thought it was slow, but it does pick up once it really gets into the story of the people and, and everything that happens with them. So I, I don't, it's been a little while since I read it. It wasn't a super, super recent book. So I can't really remember the beginning, but it's really good. Stick with it. (laughs) I will. That's what everybody's been saying. And it, I felt like such a silly person because it took me about 30 pages to realize it was going between two different, like drastically different time period storylines. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's starting to pick up. So I think getting to the point where 
I'm going to start. Yeah, stay with it. It's a good one. Yeah, I've had friends that have like totally binged the book. Yeah. Right now I'm reading The Day the World Came to Town, which is about 9-11 and when all the planes were grounded over the U.S. or that were flying to the U.S., they all landed in Newfoundland, Canada, and there were like 6,000 people that were grounded in this one really small town, and it's a really, really sweet story. I'm not loving the book. Like, I don't love the way that it's written, but it's a really sweet story. Oh, wow. Never heard of that one. Yeah, check it out. They made a Broadway play about it, too. It's called Come From Away. Awesome. I love yeah. it. I love these fiction ideas. Normally we get like businessy stuff. So I love this. Well, I can give you business ones too, but I've been taking a break from business books to just kind of like decompress instead of feeling like I'm always on. Yes. No, I love it. That's exactly why I picked up the Crawdads one. It was at Costco and I'm like, all right, sure. Because I just, you need that little like mental release where you're not sitting there just thinking about an idea or how are you going to apply this or right, right. by highlighting and Under, taking underlining notes. things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Well, it has been great chatting with you. This has been, like I mentioned off air, this has been a topic that I've had a lot of moms ask about and I just don't have that expertise, the Etsy expertise. So I'm so glad you were on to chat with us about this today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I am so excited that you have been tuning into these episodes and hearing stories of other ambitious moms who are going after their calling, both in their home and outside of their home. So if you've been wanting to take your coaching or consulting or service-based business to the next level, I want to invite you to hop on a discovery call with me to chat more about how we can build your six-figure business working nap time hours or less than 20 hours a week. Head on over right now to 1kmom.com forward slash discovery to get your time on my calendar. I can't wait to chat with you. All right, we'll see you on the next episode.